welcome to the Eye on the U podcast, the Miami Herald's Miami Hurricanes podcast. I'm David Wilson, and I'm joined, as always, on the other line by Susan Miller-Degnan, our Hurricanes beat writer at the Herald, who has uh, escaped Miami for the time being, uh, up in Portland, not looking for Mario this time. Um, maybe some people, uh, some some of the uh, testier Canes fans might be sending him back. But uh, Susan, how's it going? You're up in Portland for a couple of days on the bye week, got away from this hurricane. Um, got away from the hurricanes as well. Um, what's going on? Got away from the hurricanes. Oh, well, uh, just I thought it would be a really good week to take off. And that was obviously before Miami lost. Because I, I, I mean, I did think it was going to be an easy, easy win. And then I thought it would be an easy week, which it is for me, maybe not for you. Um, and, you know, that everybody would be happy and uh, you know, Mario would be, what would he be? Uh, three and one. That's what I thought. Uh, but it did not end up that way. So yeah, the um, question should be, how are you? Uh, you know, it's, it's a, uh, a weird week to write about Miami. Obviously the bye week they pretty much always kind of like take the week off from media available. Like even if they had won, we probably weren't going to be out of practice at all this week. Um, I'm sure they actually probably have had to have a couple of days off because of the hurricane. I think cl- school has been closed. Right. So um, weird to have it after, you know, usually it's after a game like middle Tennessee and we're like, Oh, let's write a nice story about Keyshawn Smith. Cause he had another kick return <laughs> touchdown or Thad Franklin. Cause he had a couple touchdowns, but no, uh, it's been like kind of the never ending post-mortem, which a loss like that kind of deserves because it's legitimately one of the worst losses in Miami history. Um kind of getting blown out by middle Tennessee. I know they only lost by two touchdowns, but we're down by three scores for most of that game. They were went in as a 25 and a half ish point favorite, depending on where you look. Um, and um, it was a, a butt kicking right from the beginning, which is I think the way that Rick stock still the uh, middle Tennessee coach basically put it um, shocking. I mean, it, it obviously Miami has had, bad losses like this recently obviously FIU is in a lot of ways was kind of the last straw for for Manny Diaz it it ended the Manny Diaz any Manny Diaz honeymoon that was left and we were already pretty uh, I think there were already people kind of for because that was a very rocky debut year for him Um, and they lose to Louisiana Tech later in that year but Middle Tennessee considering it's at home considering um, you know that team was not particularly good last year um, and Considering the all the the big expectations that uh, Mario Cristobal came with and and asserted, and just the place where this program is, I mean, it is right there with FIU is uh, probably in the modern Hurricanes era, probably the two worst losses, right? Oh yeah, it's really bad, and you know, especially I, I now I think the the Mario. Uh, naysayers or people that were or maybe maybe they're fans of different teams you know but uh the people that weren't so sure and they were kind of staying quiet because definite mario honeymoon i i is maybe our first question should be is the honeymoon over already yeah i mean i think for for a lot of people it has to be right i mean it doesn't mean that it's going to be a failure and we're we, our gimmick this week is going to be a panic meter for uh, a mm-hmm. whole bunch of different Miami topics, but I mean, yeah, like I remember we talked, I think we talked about it on this show that you, you contributed uh, to a thing about the new coach, a national story about 
what kind of the expectations are for new coaches, what would be an acceptable season for all these new coaches yes. across the country. And I think That's we right. agreed, like, eight wins was going to be like, it was going to be hard to be well, eight, nine. Was going Nine. Yeah, nine wins is going to be yeah. like too hard to get really frustrated with. By the way, my power keeps surging. Oh. So hopefully, I don't. Uh, oh, that's. Uh oh, I no. <laughs> but David, we what we said was that eight. We had. Ta- I think I had written that eight would not be acceptable. Right. But that. But that nine to me would be acceptable. At least it would, and I would think to most people it would be. Definitely. Of course, now I, I think that is like it, no matter what happens now, the season is kind of unacceptable. I mean, I guess if they win the eight, the coastal, like win nine games somehow and win the coastal, you know, run the table except for a loss to Clemson and then lose to Clemson again in the ACC championship, like maybe that would be like kind of all forgiven. But we we're 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 cruising past the honeymoon. Yeah, I very quickly. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, I I just didn't think it would happen this fast. Yeah, it's not really. And, 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 and you're right. We usually don't get um, coaches or, or we, we usually don't have too much availability. We used to a couple of years ago, but uh, in the off week, but, you know, to me, a sure sign was that Mario usually goes on WQAM because I'm sure they have a contract, some kind of contract with QAM and, mm-hmm. uh, and he usually would go on like on Monday morning, but nothing, no Mario. So yes. it's been just totally silent. And I guess with the storm, you know, made it worse. But uh, I, I'm wondering what is going on there this week. Yeah, well, I mean, it, I, it has to know. be one of those weeks. that's like you start from ground zero again and rebuild a lot of things. You know, there's got to be, you know, some sort of quarterback competition going on. Um, obviously, the offense got a lot of attention, but the defense was just as bad. Um maybe even worse, yeah. honestly, than the offense was. Um, so, yeah, they, they've got, like, yeah. questions to answer, and it feels like basically every position now, and that includes a spot like quarterback that we felt like was the most settled position they had on the roster at the start of the year. Um, anyway, let's let's get into our, our panic meters um, and yeah. the starting point. We've kind of talked a little bit about it already, but where is your panic? On a scale, we'll do 1 to 10 on all these. Uh, where is your panic meter on – the state of this season right now yeah. i would say it's an eight yeah i think eight i mean I, I could go as high as nine but it's it's dire i mean it's and the reason it's not a 10 is because before this week we were like ah i mean we, we had the word <laughs> the, our, our podcast last week probably aged worse than any podcast we've ever done because we came Uh-oh. on here and talked about well, we talked a little bit about the wide receiver. But it was true. But we talked about how a lot of stuff looked good against Texas A&M, particularly in the exactly. trenches. And you know, those issues we knew they had were an issue again on Saturday. The wide receivers were were rough. The offense was, uh, particularly the passing game was like non-existent. Essentially, Tyler Van Dyke continued his struggles. But the the really alarming part of what happened on Saturday is. This Miami offense had been running for five plus yards per carry, and against Texas A&M or te- sorry, Middle Tennessee, they run for about one and a half, and that is like astonishing. Like it's inexplicable almost, considering what we saw. And um, you know, if 
that was if that's an outlier, then sure, Miami could be okay because I I, I thought they were gonna be able to run on everyone they played for the rest of the season. Um, but uh I mean it's hard to have confidence in that given what we just how saw. Could, how could that be an outlier at home? I know it's I don't it's, know. You return home, I don't care what anybody says about not there weren't any fans there or whatever. I I I I, I don't believe I, I I don't believe the stadium. Yes, I do believe fans make a difference, but no. They, a team doesn't do what they did last game just because there are not a lot of fans and they're home. And they're home. I, I, I don't – I can't buy that. What about you? So, I, I mean, I, I – and here's the thing. It's hard to, to say – I mean, I'm saying an eight panic meter only because we've, we haven't seen, like, the Mario Cristobal era. What, right. Like – like this would be the first example. What happens afterwards? Well, we already saw what happened after they lost, but played a pretty darn good game. Right. Okay, so now I, I don't know, man. I it's hard for me to fathom that yeah. you wouldn't be panicked at this point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's an inexcusable loss, obviously, and it's a, a loss that's it's like hard to explain because. So much of what we saw the team do well and through three games. And one of those teams against a really good team, Texas A&M, just beat Arkansas on Saturday. Um, so I, I don't want to hear uh, people bashing that team. That is a maybe not, you know, they're clearly not the fifth best team in the country like we thought they were at the start of the year. But that's still a really good team. It's going to be in the top 25 probably all year. Um, right. It looked pretty, you know, we saw a lot of good stuff. And that stuff just all disappeared against a middle Tennessee team that, I mean, common common logic would dictate that should be an overmatched team against a team like Miami. Like, I, there's some stuff that I think yeah. is explainable, right? They they run an air raid. You're gonna pass efficiently. Everyone, you know, you're gonna break some long plays. Um, you know, slants that go long or, or curls that you know you miss one tackle and and stuff happens. But the fact that Middle Tennessee just put an extra guy in the box and Miami could not figure out anything to do offensively against that is like the, the, the blueprint is is out now for how to beat Miami it sure seems like yeah well that that might segue to your our next panic meter yeah because obviously the reason that works is because um teams don't fear Miami's passing game right now which is uh, also inexplicable and it's been a longer running issue for Miami this year um and that is Tyler Van Dyke's massive, massive regression. Um, where is your panic meter at on him right now? Um, seven. Seven. We're, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're we're right in line here too. Um, I'm probably a little on the low seven part of it more than you. Um, I, I don't. I look. I I don't. I don't. I know how good. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. It's not, it's not like guys. Great. I mean, the guy's great. And even all all the arguments you could make for like why last year was, I don't want to say like a fluke, but maybe like he looked better than he actually is. Like there's a couple arguments you can make, right? One is maybe he is a product of having two record setting wide receivers. Uh, Another is maybe he's just a product of Rhett Lashley, who is, you know, now obviously a head coach, one of the best offensive coordinators in the country last year. Um, another is he beat up on some bad ACC defenses. Well, uh, 
you talk about those wide receivers, nearly neither Mike Harley or Charleston Rambo are in the NFL right now. It's like they're really good, but it's not like he was like just chucking prayers up to Jerry Judy and Jalen Waddell and right. uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba, like all these great wide receivers who prop up could prop up any quarterback. Uh, yeah, you, but he was he was he was the thing is he he was on target. Right. I, got, I mean, and then was, the other he, the other part is if you if you want to say he was just beating up on bad defenses like. Is Middle Tennessee supposed to be better than like Pitt's defense last year? Like, yeah, it's- I, I, definitely. He did great against Pitt, and I he had some really good games, and he looked so smooth and comfortable last year, um, and supposedly has a better line, more experienced line this year. So I, 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 the panic meter is fairly high for me um, about him, not because I don't think he's really good because I saw it last year I saw it all year almost all year but because this is a different coaching staff and I I'm personally wondering and and now he has a separate uh, quarterbacks coach yeah he has a new quarterbacks coach just I would think helping him also with some mechanics you're saying with the game plan and stuff but I like what and, and it's a different offense. I mean, Gaddis's offense is totally different. All of it together, I, I'm wondering what he's doing different mechanically. Did they want him to change stuff even a little? Did they put anything in his head, kind of mentally in his head a little bit? Not that he's bad, but just change this little thing. Right. And you'll be, and it, you'll really see, you know, how good it is after you do that. I, I'm trying to figure out what, is a little different. And now it's just totally screwed him up mentally, every way, physically. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's another one that like, there's a lot of explanations. Like, I mean, you, he's not playing well, right? Like it's not all on the game plan and the play calling, right? He's not playing well, but a coach's responsibility is obviously to get the most out of their players. Mm-hmm. Um, and last year, whatever Rhett last year was doing, and a lot of it was obviously play calling, but maybe also his coaching, as you you pointed out, he was the quarterback's coach too. Um, you know, whatever he was doing, even if you're saying he was making Tyler Van Dyke look better than he did, he made Tyler Van Dyke look like one of the best quarterbacks in the country for the last six weeks of last season. And we know that that is in there. It's not, it's not all theoretical, right? We saw it. We saw that happen. We saw him throw for 300 plus yards and three plus touchdowns in six straight games. And the last year was the first power five quarterback to do that since Joe Burrow won the gosh dang Heisman. So um, we know that's in there. It's not like, it's not like we're just cropping him up based on his recruiting rankings and some draft hype. Like the draft hype didn't come because he was this five-star quarterback who's got perfect size and the best real best throw you've ever seen the draft type came because we saw him torch everyone they put in front of him for the last for the second half of last season um and you know so a lot of it obviously is on him he's not accurate right now um I don't know maybe he's not going through his progressions well or whatever he's not taking deep shots like we know he likes to uh with the frequency he did last year so I mean, a lot of it is on him, but at the same time, like we know he's a good player because we saw him be a good college football player. You can say, oh, maybe he never was a great, as good an NFL prospect as people said, 
that's that's not what we're talking about right now. We're talking about him being a good college football player. Right now, he's not a good college football player. And last year, we saw him be a great college football player. Um, mm-hmm. And that's the reason I think both of us have the panic meter not super high because the production right now and the fact he got benched deserves like an eight, nine in, on the panic meter. But we know he can be really good. They obviously have a bye week. They've got to get it figured out. They need him to get things figured out. Um, right. I think they need to, you know, they've got to clearly make this offense um, more amenable to him. Yeah. I, I think this panic meter thing is, <laughs> which I said before, is really uh, dependent also on <laughs> how they do the next game. Yeah. We haven't seen it again in the Mario Cristobal era. We, we have to see what happens. Then it'll be next week. It'll, it'll, it'll be a little more realistic for us to figure it out. Yeah. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. On a similar note, um, where's your panic meter at on on? Josh Gaddis and his offense right now because that they caught a lot of the brunt of the blame I think in the immediate aftermath um I think both of us are probably guilty of it too obviously they don't, we're gonna talk about the defense after so um but but the offense is the starting point because it was the one thing that I think we knew coming into this year should be pretty good um they were I think a top 25 offense in most of the important categories last year um right I, I mean, I think a lot of it has to do with uh, uh, with Tyler. Okay, so a lot of it's tied to Tyler. I, I understand it. We're talking about Josh Gaddis, but I mean, I I would say maybe six point five. Yeah, I'd go seven, and I'm probably on the higher end again. Like, um, it doesn't look good. And the no, fact I, I, what's concerning is. Again, it's what we talked about at the top is that they couldn't even run the ball against Middle Tennessee. And like, no, I don't know. Like, if you're not going to throw the ball, like, the, you, you could have made a case. And yeah, you could have made a case through three weeks that Josh Gaddis is doing a good job because Miami's run offense was really bad last year. They were a really good offense despite rushing for fewer than four yards per carry. You can make the case like, all right, you're going to sacrifice some of the big passing numbers. Um, and in, exchange we're going to be this great run game ball control offense um that with an improved defense we're going to win a lot of games but they didn't throw the ball well on saturday and they didn't run the ball well and that's i mean they were awful yeah and they did run again the first couple games right so so i i was thinking okay all right let's give this a shot but if tyler you know yeah the passing game is going to be as bad as it is. Uh, 
Uh, I'm willing. I, I want to see. I want to see another week. They're going to be back home against a very important game. Yeah. An awful, an awful, awful, terrible defense. Maybe the worst defense in Power Five football of like a somewhat competitive team, North Carolina. Which uh, what was the score of that Notre Dame game? They like, I mean, they gave up 40 points in the fourth quarter to App State in Week One. Um, they gave up. What did they give up to Notre Dame? Uh, oh, well. Notre Dame, which they give up 45 to Notre Dame, which had been scoring like 12 points a game. Like that is a terrible defense. If you cannot, and this the Miami, I guess, did still put up 31 on Saturday, although one of those touchdowns came on a kick return. Um, I don't know. I just think uh, this offense does a lot of things that frustrate me when I watch an offense, um, namely uh, they're terrible in the red zone, which was kind of the, the death knell for the one year Dan Enos experiment. Like a lot of their yeah. yards per play stuff was okay. Um, but they were terrible in situational football. And and that is kind of what, I mean, we obviously it was the right. story coming out of the app state game, but it happened again in the middle Tennessee game. They got stuff on three straight plays from at the one yard line um, when they could have cut the game to a single touchdown going into the fourth quarter. And then the game flips right there. They get stuffed on fourth and goal. And then mm-hmm. on the very next play, Middle Tennessee throws a 98-yard uh, touchdown, and the game's kind of over there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, red zone again. I mean, really. And then, yeah, unbelievable. You're right. There's nothing else to say. Yeah. They, I mean, they made first, such my, a big deal of it last game. Yeah. The game before, I mean. Yeah. I mean, my first – you know, I was always – I'm always a pro, like, spread guy so I was maybe I had my biases or whatever um but I I just think it's way more valuable to be a really good passing team than a really good running team um now the argument you could have made was that uh running you know if you can block you can block basically but we saw that that's not even the case for this team because middle Tennessee just crushed them inside um and yeah, I know Josh Gaddis obviously won the Broyles Award last year as the best offense, as the best assistant coach in the country. But um, you know, it's this is a Michigan. It's a different. It's a different school. You got a different. You know, at Michigan, he won by having they had a really good running game. Um, they kind of won in spite of quarterback play. Um, it's really hard to compete at the highest highest level without a really good quarterback or at least really good quarterback play. Um, and right now this team is getting bad quarterback play. And that was, you know, coming into the year, we thought one of the strengths of this team. 100% as they say. Okay. Switching gears to the defense, um, which again, kind of felt like they got let off the hook for a couple of days. Cause all the talking points were the quarterback battle, Tyler versus Jake Garcia, um, Josh Gaddis versus Rhett Lashley, all, all that kind of stuff. But the defense it kind of like, I don't even know how to describe it. was like one of the worst in terms of giving up big plays. You know, we the North Carolina game obviously sticks out from a couple of years ago when Michael Carter and Javante Williams just kind of, felt, kind of took turns running for 50-yard touchdowns, it felt like. Right. This is, again, middle Tennessee. Yeah, I mean. I- 69, 71, and 98-yard touchdown passes. And, and, also, and, and, also gave and, and, up an and, 89-yard catch. And Where's the times, the, the on panic meters, pa- panic Kevin meter, Smith, uh, defensive coordinator. 
I'm going to, it's not as bad. I, 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 I weirdly I, agree with you. I, 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 no, my, my, I'll say a six. I'm going to go a six. Here. No, I'm, I'm, I'm not as bad. I mean, I'm, I'm, I would say five. Okay. Uh, well, five, uh, five, but wait, is the panic meter on Kevin Steele or is it on the defense? I think it's on, on defense. Kevin, I, just, I think it's on the long-term outlook of what Miami's defense will look like being led by Kevin Steele. Then I, I'm going to 4.5. Okay. You have confidence that he can get this turn. I, I do. So, what, what is your case? Because I, I feel like we might be on the same page here, but I'm curious what your case is. I, I, I think he's I think he's very good. I think that they're they they had they were forced to play some kids. Was Jaden Harris? Yes, uh, a freshman corner who was out there one play, uh, one play on deep played some special teams, but one <laughs> snap on defense, and he gives up a 69 yard touchdown. Tough tough spot for a true freshman to be in. Who yeah. Is- I- yeah, not one of the I, biggest recruits in the class in terms of ranking. And then um, also like kind of making a position, you know, he was a, uh, a cornerback in high school and, you know, they're playing him as what star, whatever they're going to call it. So oh, the, 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 which yeah. is really a cornerback it's spot a hybrid Stop it's asking a, a hybrid because to Corey Couch right there too. Right. It's a DB cut slash whatever linebacker, but I, because um, I, I think Kevin Steele, is going to do the best he can now with he's smart man with uh with what he has and hopefully Tyreek Stevenson is uh is not badly hurt mm-hmm. but I saw him limping yeah on the side I definitely saw him I mean really limping gingerly he could one of his one of his feet it was yeah. He was limping. Okay. After that play, and he was in plain clothes, which really makes me nervous. Uh, they, I, he's, he's their best corner. They need him. And I'm not sure. I don't, unless it's been reported, I haven't seen, uh, you know, if he's badly hurt or if he's out for a while, um, I, that's not good. Yeah. That's definitely not good. Uh, okay. So the, the, and, and, and to Corey, to Corey's okay. Right. But, I'm not going to do the. I'm not pushing the panic meter down anymore. That's it. I'm, I'm going to see I'm, what yeah. The reason I'm less worried about the defense long term than I am about the offense because the defense was bad last year. Like it was a, a pretty impressive turnaround that they had put together through three weeks. Right uh, now, acknowledging the Texas A&M's offense is probably really bad, but still, um, it was a pretty good turnaround they had through three weeks. Um, and then you know the three three of the four touchdowns they give up are. Basically, on one, as you said, Jaden Harris just gets burnt on a one-on-one. Um, on another, DJ Ivy gets burnt on a one-on-one. Um, on another, uh, to Corey Couch kind of gets burnt on a one-on-one. Looked like maybe a little bit of a miscommunication. He and Tyreek Stevenson were trying to figure out something pre-snap. Um, and then the other one was a, a missed tackle by Corey Flagg on a, on a curl that ends up being an 89-yard gain. Um, that is – That was terrible. Those are the same we were talking about last year, right? So, no, the offense, no, the defense is not better than it was a year ago. But I also don't think it's like falling off a cliff in a way that the offense clearly has kind of fallen off a cliff. Um, get some better players in there, and again, you can make a case with Josh Gaddis when he, if he gets his guys in here, guys who are better suited to run a power rushing game, 
pro style offense, which is obviously kind of what Mario Cristobal wants. So it's going to be better on defense though. I think we have not seen the same regression that we have on offense. We haven't seen the improvement, but uh, you know, it's, it's pretty, pretty ugly right now, but it's a lot of the same ugly issues we talked about last year. You would hope that it would be cleaned up, but it's obviously not. But at the same time, like I see what they're doing on offense, like or on defense in a way I, I see yeah. what the idea is on defense better than I see what the idea is on offense on, on offense. It seems yeah. like they, they don't have like a, a clear identity at all. No. And, and I think actually, I think they're panicked on offense. Yeah. I mean, you can see I mean, the players, I mean, the players, players, obviously a lot of drops from the receivers. Um, it's interesting that the Tyler's not even taking a deep shot. I, I don't want to make this all about the offense and Tyler Van Dyke, but it's interesting. Yeah. He's not even taking deep shots necessarily, which is like when you get, down and panicked like you try to make hero ball play like we saw it when he came in last year he, how many we were kind of joking when he first showed up that all he's going to do is chuck it deep and like now he doesn't even try to do that yeah that's all con- a lot of it's confidence, confidence. too yeah. so There's they got to figure all that out this week defense i think it's going to be harder to fix this year but i think just the better more and more talent they get in the room um talent wins out on defense i think more than it does on offense um all right, last one. Uh, where's your panic meter on the Mario Cristobal era rebuild, whatever you want to call this? <laughs> um, okay. I'll give it a... I'm still giving him, Six. I'm still giving him, Five. I'm saying four. Um, you know, yeah, I, it's different. I, I, you know what? It's not Mario. Let me, it, I don't think it's Mario per se. It's the same old stuff. It's right. The, it's so the that's players. the thing. That, that it's is, the players. It's the players. That, Can he, right? That's kind of why I'm. I, low on the panic relatively low yeah i think i think that's too high i think okay okay i i think um i think that's too high okay but i i i I, it's still all right i i I won't get i'm not going to go lower than five right now that's because it just yeah yeah it's hard to after the middle i mean if after the fiu game where would most miami fans panic meter have been on manny diaz it would have been in the five certainly probably even higher obviously it was later into his tenure but still right um i think this team is more talented than it was when when uh when mandy diaz took over probably also um now the reason it's all i'm at i'm at a four is he's got a long way to go right i mean you said it's the same old miami uh you don't fix the same old like you don't teach a new old dog new tricks right like take some time to uh i think get some of the stink out of the program. Um, we know he recruits well. I think the recruiting class will mostly stay intact. Um, I have not gotten the sense that like anyone is imminently like given up on the Mario Cristobal vision. I think this will probably hurt with adding more to this class, which is currently, I think, number 10 in 24-7's rankings. Like, for example, uh, they missed out on Tyler Williams, a, a four-star wide receiver from Lakeland, 6'3", basketball player, like, guy they really could have used. Um, and and I, who was at the game, right? Right. I mean, I don't have I don't I have mean, a source on this, but 
he was at Miami on the first game of the season, came back for this game right before he made his commitment on Tuesday, spent three days in Miami, visited campus on Friday, went to the game on Saturday, and then went to the Dolphins game on Sunday, and then picked Georgia. Um, I, I don't know for sure, but I get the feeling he probably would have picked Miami if things had gone a little bit differently for the right. If it, 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 hey, listen, if it was between the Dolphins and the Falcons, he would have picked the Dolphins. So I, I, I Dolphins uh, and the, the uh, Bills, you mean? The, I mean, I'm sorry. No, 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 no. I'm not talking about the game. Oh, yeah, yes. Okay. You said it was Georgia, right? So I, yeah, I, yeah. I you know, I'm, I'm doing Georgia and Miami, whatever. But, but, um, uh, yeah, I, I it, it's not Mario. I think, I think Mario has all the right ideas. And I, I mean, as far as the style of offense, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sold on that, honestly. But as far as Mario's, philosophies and the work and the hard work and everything he says. I mean, I don't, I, I think he's definitely on the right path, but I'm kind of shocked. I I know it's early, but I don't know. It kind of runs his whole identity that he came in was basically like, we're not going to be the same old Miami. We're going to be the the new Miami, Um, but we're not going to be the same old Miami. We're going to be, we're not taking, we're, you know, we're not sitting you know, like get rid of the turnover chain. We're not celebrating these little accomplishments anymore. We're not taking anything for granted. We're working hard every day. And then, I mean, he has a letdown in a, a, one of the worst letdowns in Miami history is, is what they did on Saturday. And it runs so counter to his philosophy, his identity. He's trying to instill in the program. I know we're only in the fourth game, but it's just such a, a stark flip from what what was promised exactly and um you know i it's just i, I go for because I, I still think this is ultimately going to work and i'm not willing to say it's not going to work based on one game against middle tennessee in his first season but we right. jumped from like one to four or five in your case or six seven eight and probably some other fans minds kind of overnight oh. Um, yeah, and- it's, here's the thing. It's one game, and I and I. It's such I understand about the knee jerk reaction, and that's what ha- always happens with, with people when yeah. when a team loses, and Miami fans but- notoriously probably not patient enough. Totally, uh, totally reactionary, too reactionary, all that kind of stuff. I mean, most yeah. college football fans are obviously we deal with more with Miami fans, but continue. Totally. The thing is, if they would have. Yeah, it did. It didn't matter if they if they lost, it would have been horrible. But this this was just this was just really a really bad one. I my brother called me today. He was out of the country uh, from California, saying, "I don't know. Can you just you know?" And it's like I didn't want to hear it. Just keep asking me how how could they have had those huge passing plays over yeah. the Miami defense? You know. So and I it was just it's just the way they did it. Yeah, they didn't. I don't yeah. know. They punched Miami in the mouth and then kept punching. Middle Tennessee State. Yeah, three and zero all time against. The- I knew you were going to say that. Yeah, ninety years. They own Miami. They own Miami. They do, unfortunately. Um, going back to the, I, 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 one point I forgot to make on the defense. Yes, I know there were a lot of issues, but also like, I don't know. They kind of their their game plan kind of stunk. It seemed like defensively, like they talk all about press coverage, right? And that you definitely need that against an air raid team, where the whole idea is quick passes. You watch all three of those touchdowns, they're playing way off the, the wide receiver, the defensive backs, no contact with the line of scrimmage, nothing. So they, they got beat at a game that's not even the one that they say they want to play. Um, so uh, that's that's the problem with this game to me. It's not just that they lost. It's that 
everything they said they were going to do well, they didn't do well. And then all those things they hadn't been doing well and that I was less certain about, they also didn't do well. So um, I kind of wrote that in my file. Like they're not doing anything well. They don't, they have no identity. And, and, and we have no idea because we have no access. Um, we have like no idea what's going on in UM land. Now. Yeah. So yep. I, you know. Yep. All right. Um, we're just about out of time. So uh, thanks as always for listening. Uh, you can follow Susan on Twitter at S. Miller Degnan. Uh, she's off this week though. So not a whole lot of Kane's content, but be sure to read her coverage from Saturday from uh... and Howard Schnellenberger. Oh yeah, right. You wrote a big Howard Schnellenberger story for our Dolphins. In, in, in relation to three of the 1972 undefeated season. So check that out. I'm about halfway yeah. through that. I got I to gotta finish it after we finished. I started reading right before we decided to record. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at dbwilson2. Um, I've been handling a lot of Kane stuff this week. So if you want all the postmortems for this awful Miami loss, you can check out MiamiHerald.com. Um, thanks as always for listening and, uh, we'll talk to you guys next week.